It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we're going to take a look at the chart of the week from Viridian Capital Advisors, kind of showing the difference on uh, private companies and how much money they're investing in cannabis. Although private investment is smaller in numbers, uh, the deal sizes are getting larger. So we're going to dive into that. Um, the graph is kind of showing here that equity raises by private companies are these green bars. And then the orange bar or the orange line is the average uh, private equity deal size that, like we said, is increasing, uh, even though the number of deals are shrinking, the dollar amounts are increasing. When we look at it, we can see that private companies are accounting for less than half as much of the dollars raised year to date in 2021 than they did in the same period in 2018. Credit crunch that began in the last half of 2019 with the pandemic substantially eased. But in a world where cannabis has cash is king as its motto, uh, the pandemic has definitely kind of taken it, uh, its toll. So the effects are definitely being felt uh, for finances and private companies uh, as they continue to face tougher market conditions. Generally speaking, cannabis companies have to be more conservative and wise with their money. Uh, still some aren't. Uh, you can see Aurora and Canopy writing off one and $3 billion dollars. Uh, as their deals just don't quite work out and they had excess capital and they just don't really care about it. Smaller companies don't have that luxury of being able to just wipe out shareholder equity or or capital. Uh, and so what you are seeing is that unfair advantage of larger institutions being able to do that. So you've continued to see larger institutional capital investors entering the cannabis space. And then just in the last year, we've seen uh, the investment in some of the larger and more liquid public companies wanting to get in the space. To big tobacco definitely wants in. You saw Jazz Pharmaceuticals buying up uh, GW Pharma. It's going to be a massive amount of consolidation. We've been saying this for a long time. Shouldn't be anything new to anybody who's been listening to the Talking Hedge for a while. Uh, and so, with um, Canadian companies kind of at their peak, looking for private companies in the U.S., um, it's going to be a combination of existing cannabis companies merging as well as that FOMO effect from. Uh, you know, big tobacco, pharmaceutical companies, and everyone else who's seeing those opportunities. So um, even within the industry, there's opportunities if, or I should say, when there's federal legalization, we've mentioned that um, with banking, we've seen, um, you know, the reemergence of the Moore Act, the fifth go around um, with the new Congress to kind of have to vote that back in for the fifth time. If, or rather when banking comes on board, you'll see the elimination of 280E, which is the inability to write off taxes for um, labor, for example. So a lot of these MSOs are going to see a pop uh, in their stock price after they're able to write off employee expenses. So we even saw valuation multiples for the larger public cannabis companies reaching historic levels earlier on this year between October and January after the election and massive speculation on, on federal legalization and everything else kind of spiked all of that. It spurred a record wave of issuances. So a lot of that cash was earmarked for acquisitions and remains on uh, the MSO's balance sheets, the multi-state operators looking for uh, new emerging markets, or even maybe distressed assets on the West Coast. Um, you literally couldn't even give away a retail license in Washington State. I know one guy who just gave it back to the state. Uh, it was in a rural area. Nobody really wanted it and literally gave it back. On the flip side, you have 25 
thousand dollars, or excuse me, $25 million <laughs> for a rec shop in Arizona, um, in Phoenix, just for one location. So um, it kind of depends on where you're at. Obviously, if you have a vertically integrated opportunity where you can be a producer, processor, retailer, that's going to be a lot more advantageous than a place like Washington State that splits those up. A retailer can't have a producer and processor. Therefore, it's going to be a lot harder to uh, get investors, especially with a 10% cap on investment in the state from out-of-state investors. All of these issues kind of play a fact into where where investors want to place their money, right? What they want to place it into. And that's why Washington just hasn't really seen the expansion. And it hasn't even really triggered a lot of companies here to expand. Many, many have not. In fact, I only know of one company that has expanded uh, into California and, and 12 other states actually. So have a heart as a rec shop and they're the only ones. Um, there is a, a, a testing lab that has expanded. So Mark Hubbard uh, has expanded his testing facilities in hemp, but in terms of cannabis production, um, they haven't licensed, like cookies is kind of everywhere now. So Washington State is this really kind of petri dish experiment with um, non-sophisticated uh, business owners. Um, one of the main reasons why I got out of business development uh, was because everyone has an idea, right? And this is way too early to try and add to that when people are incapable of just executing their own ideas. It makes it nearly impossible to come in and offer new SKUs, new ideas. Um, there's just a lack of sophistication and professionalism uh, in this space right now when people um, don't really know what they're doing, just to put it out there. Some of those people are going to want to have a legacy. Um, they may be a Larry's handy mark in a world of 7-Elevens, but many, many uh, will fail. Most of them will fail. They won't be around. They won't be acquired. They'll just quietly go away. Um, unfortunately. So when it comes to the valuation multiple of smaller public companies, we've previously commented on the significantly lower valuation multiples compared to the larger competitors. Uh, and this discount has even been larger for private companies. In other words, the larger the corporation, the higher the valuation is. So when you're uh, private and you're small, there's even more um, value, you know, from a value stock or speculation, uh, there's opportunities for these really small companies. So uh, again, I think that's why there's going to be massive inflow and already has been uh, from Canada uh, into the U.S. and will continue that route uh, for the next couple of years. So Viridian is suggesting that investors should increase their allocations to private cannabis companies with strong market positions and prospects for profitability to take advantage of the favorable valuations and the possibility of a merger and acquisition takeout. So what they're saying is that these private companies have uh, profitability. So look to see and make sure that they have strong balance sheets. If they are profitable, like we've been mentioning since 2019, that this is not the time for pre-money valuations. This is the time to come out with actual money, revenue, uh, and clean balance sheets. And so if you are in that position, you're going to be ready for either an exit strategy to be acquired, or you're going to be in a better position to have strategic partnerships combined um, for mergers. Uh, and again, to then maybe use some of that free cash flow to start acquiring companies in Washington that aren't doing it are not going to be around. It kind of blows my mind um, that they are just sticking around thinking they're going to be this, this local um, producer or retailer in a sea of national companies that are being developed right now all around them, but they're just 
they're, they're kind of an ostrich with their head in the sand. They're not looking around. They have no idea what's going on. They're too busy with their own state regulations running around like a chicken with their head cut off, thinking that the Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board is going to put a 10% cap on THC on concentrates. Uh, and so six months down the road, they've done absolutely nothing um, because they've been so worried about that law that never got passed. So that's why you need to hire more people. You need to have business development. You need to have um, you know, better consultants, somebody who's good at compliance, who can understand what the rules and regulations are, and maybe more importantly, what they won't be. So you can focus on what's important to your business, uh, which should be cleaning up your balance sheet and finding strategic partners and increasing your SKUs and expanding and scaling and finding that exit strategy and all of those things, creating a national brand um, for the eventuality that cannabis is federally legalized. All that good stuff is what you should be doing. Uh, for more info or advice, scratch that. It's not advice. It's, it's only entertainment. entertainment. Right? Come back to the Talking Hedge for everything else. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out a major journey today on all major podcast platforms.